Hi friends, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited about what we're going to embark upon over many weeks now in a new series on the Gospel of Luke or the historical narrative written by a person that the early church uh, identified as a man named Luke. And he's telling the story of Jesus. Danielle just read the first four verses of chapter one, the introduction to Luke's gospel for us. And there's so much just in those four verses. But what I hope to do today is just to not only, you know, look at these four verses, but just look at Luke as a whole. We want to telescope out and look at uh, the whole book so that we don't miss the story of Jesus in what Luke is trying to, to do for us and convey for us. You know, and as you look at the themes of Luke that we'll touch upon briefly here and then explore for many weeks to come, I found myself asking the question, how would it, the church look different if, if the stuff that Luke writes about started to come true in our midst? And I think in some ways, uh, things would look very similar to what we're experiencing now. And in other ways, there might be some new things that we'd find disturbing and that would bother us. Uh, very much like the people who were originally introduced to Jesus struggled with coming to terms with who he was and what he was doing and how he was doing it. Let me give you an example of how perhaps church announcements might change based on Luke's gospel. A gospel that's sometimes referred to as the good news for outsiders. So uh, it might go something like this in introducing some new people that are serving in different ministry teams. You know, this morning we're happy to announce that we've got a new leader for our junior high kids group. And it's Trish. Trish has been a sex worker for 20 years and, and she met Jesus and he brought her out of that. And now Trish is going to work with our young people not only on introducing them to Jesus and following Jesus, but in her years of walking with Jesus, she's also going to help them understand what healthy relationships look like. Or Michael, Michael ran the local pawn shop for many years, and he met Jesus and had an encounter with him, and Jesus turned his world upside down, and now Michael's a part of our compassionate team, and he's joined that team, and he wants to help people who are experiencing food insecurity and financial difficulty and help them find ways out of that. Or Javid. Javid is new to our music team, and uh, he's only 24, but he's been uh, involved in drugs since he was 12, not only using, but also selling. And uh, he has met Jesus recently, and now he's expressing his uh, praise to Jesus, his worship to Jesus through his musical ability, and we are celebrating with Javid. And he asks for us to pray for him as he continues to struggle with overcoming that addiction. Or there's Aisha, a person that uh, is soon going to be starting to help with some of our teaching. And she's been a Christian all of her life, but they were a family in Syria that had to flee because of the war there. And now they're living here in Wasega and and uh, starting a new life. And her husband, who is a lawyer in Syria, is looking for work. So if you have work for her husband, do let us know. See, that is what announcements might look like, church announcements based on the Gospel of Luke. And I'm excited about, about us journeying together through this series. 
there are some notes online that I want to reference and invite you to to go to and to to look them up because there's content in there that's that's actually not covered uh, in what I'm saying here this morning. And so you might find that helpful. And each week we want to try to include things that maybe won't get covered in the sermon, but that you might find helpful um, for your own personal study. And so what I want to do this morning is is look at some of the themes of what we find in Luke's historical narrative about the life of Jesus. You know, in these verses that Daniel read for us in verses 1 to 4, Luke is himself saying there are many people that have written some really good accounts of the life of Jesus. And scholars will tell us that Luke probably had access to Mark's gospel and used that as one of his sources. He might have had access to some other sources that I reference in the notes for you. And then he says, I want to also put together an orderly account. And one of the things that, uh, that scholars and uh, literary, um, literary scholars will say about Luke's uh, writing is that he is a very good historian. But he doesn't write history the way that we would expect history to be written today. He writes it from a first century perspective. And so he's not as interested in all these facts and data all lined up as much as he is in communicating the story of Jesus in a way that verifies who Jesus is and the events that took place around his life. And so in that manner, from an ancient perspective, Luke writes very good history. And he has an incredible knowledge of the Greek language, which is very evident in these first few verses. And so let's walk through through Luke's gospel a little bit this morning. This, This gospel that is being carefully investigated and written down from the very beginning. Who's written for a man named Theophilus. But I think more than just for Theophilus, Luke was thinking about the other people who would be reading his account. It's quite likely that Theophilus probably funded the writing of Luke. And that Luke was um, addressing him because he was the patron who was funding the whole work. These were very expensive to produce in the first century after Jesus. And it's possible that Theophilus was actually just funding that for Luke. But let's walk through and look at some some of what is happening in Luke's gospel as he introduces us to Jesus. And so one of the things that I I want to draw out is after these first four verses in verse five, which we'll start looking at next week, we jump from this introduction to Luke talking about Zechariah in the temple. The story starts in Jerusalem and it starts with uh, a reference really um, pointing his readers back to the story of God's involvement in the nation of Israel. Uh, and, and what Luke is doing in this gospel is he's just saying everything that you know in your Hebrew Bible about God's involvement with Israel is actually just being culminated in the person of Jesus. And so there's this continuity from the Old Testament into the story of Jesus moving forward into the beginning and the life of the church. And here's a little tidbit that I want to encourage you with. I'd I'd encourage you to read the Gospel of Luke. But I would also encourage you to read Volume 2 of Luke's work. That's right. The Gospel of Luke is Part 1 of a two-part writing. It's Volume 1 of a two-volume work. And the second volume we have in our Bible, it's called the Book of Acts. 
And Luke and Acts are really two parts of the same story. So I would encourage you, if, if you are interested in reading through Luke, then also read the book of Acts. Because to understand Luke, is the, the book of Acts will help you get a much better perspective of what he's doing in the gospel writing. And if you want to understand the book of Acts, then you also need to read volume 1, which is the gospel of Luke. And so he's bringing us from God's involvement with the Old Testament, the people of Israel, moving us into the story of Jesus, and then the book of Acts taking us into the birth of the church. And, uh, and then that eventually, of course, will lead to us today. Another theme that Luke draws out tremendously, which we're going to explore over and over again, is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. You probably understand God, the Father, and you probably have a, a sense of visualizing Jesus, the man, the Son, and when it comes to the Holy Spirit, a lot of Christian people or non-Christian people kind of don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. And let, let, yet Luke references the Holy Spirit over and over again in both Luke and Acts. So we're going to explore that. And we're going to spend uh, quite a lot of time camped out in some of these themes that, that um, maybe the best way to describe them is are great reversals in Luke's gospel. Or the upside-down kingdom concepts that come out in Luke's gospel. Or if you're in the business world, uh, a lot of what Luke is saying here is um, there's a new management. You know, uh, the beginning there when I said this is what uh, the announcements at church might look like based on Luke's gospel, that would make uh, probably some of you feel uncomfortable if that were actually true. And I would ask the question, why? Why does it make you uncomfortable? Because it's different than the norm. So often in culture, and our churches can be reflected by the culture, we look for the shiny, uh, glossy people. And we like to keep them in the forefront. And we like to keep all the baggage and the junk out of play. Because somehow we feel like uh, that's not going to play out well. And yet what Jesus does in Luke 4 when he introduces his ministry is he actually just says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim uh, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. It has come for all people, including um, people that society may not think are very glossy or very shiny or have it all together. And so Luke uh, is portraying uh, Jesus in his work and in his teaching of turning things upside down. You know, there's a, there's a new series, TV series out uh, on the internet that you can watch. It's called The Chosen. And uh, you won't see it on Netflix and you won't see it on Apple TV. Uh, it is crowdsourced in its funding. And um, they've done a fairly creative job in, in presenting the life of Jesus. And in one of the scenes and one of the episodes, the disciples are struggling with what Jesus is doing, what he is saying, and how he's behaving. And they kind of say to him, like, we're, we're not used to that. That's not how things are done. And he turns to them and he looks at them and he says, get used to different. And I think if we could, uh, uh, if we could sum up what Luke wrote, 
in a single sentence, it might simply be that. With the coming of Jesus, you need to get used to different. The salvation of God is dawning on humanity. And there's good news in Jesus for all people, but especially for the outsiders. And he just plays out this theme of the great reversals. So, for example, uh, Luke is writing in a culture in a time when patriarchy is at its peak and uh, women are essentially considered not much more than property to be owned. And so in a culture that gives very little uh, credibility to women, as you read through Luke's gospel, more than any other of the four gospels, you will find Luke equating uh, women with men or elevating women to the status that men held. And you'll see these pairings happening in Luke's gospel. And I'll give you an example. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to revisit the Christmas story as we look at Luke chapter 1 and 2. And in chapter 1, we're introduced to Zechariah and the angel visiting Zechariah to foretell the birth of John the Baptist. But then immediately after that, the angel is visiting Mary. And so where Zechariah is, uh, is uh, portrayed, you've got Mary right beside him. And then uh, Mary sings her song. And that's actually placed in front of Zechariah's song. And these are two songs, the Magnificat and Zechariah's song. And what Luke does throughout the gospel is he pairs women with men. And so you've got a little bit later in, in chapter 2, you've got a man named Simeon who makes a prophecy about Jesus. And then immediately after Simeon, we are introduced to a woman named Anna. And Anna, too, has things to say about Jesus. And then, of course, a little bit later, you have uh, the demon-possessed man that Jesus heals. And then immediately after that, Luke has him healing Peter's mother-in-law. You have the centurion who comes to Jesus and says, please heal my slave. And then right after that, you have the widow who is also looking for her son to be healed. And so this theme of women and men is very dominant in Luke's gospel. And women are elevated. They are, they are at the cross. They are the first ones that Jesus appears to uh, after he rises from the dead. Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 is full of, of uh, revolutionary talk. This little woman, this young girl who carried Jesus in her womb, sings a song that uh, had the authorities at the time understood the intent of it, would have, would have led to her arrest. And she is, in her song, playing out this great reversal. Down with the powerful. The Lord will see that the powerful are put down and the powerless are elevated, that the wealthy will receive their due and the poor will be elevated. The outsiders, the marginalized, the outcast are the ones that God sides with. And Mary's song is rife with that. And there's this wonderful reversal taking place. So not only men and women, but as I've just alluded to, you've got the poor and the wealthy and throughout, uh, throughout Luke's gospel, you've got this sense that, um, that the poor, uh, the physically poor are going to be elevated. 
So in the Beatitudes in, in Matthew chapter 5, you've got the Beatitudes, but in, in Luke, uh, you've also got the Beatitudes. And where Matthew kind of spiritualizes some of it, blessed are the poor in spirit, Luke just simply says, blessed are the poor in Luke chapter 6. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who weep now. And so there's this sense of, of the poor being elevated and those with wealth um, either having their eyes open to how it's damaging them or keeping their eyes closed and then, and then dealing with the results of being that way. And so again, the wealthy that in culture generally are elevated in Jesus' kingdom it's the great reversal. The poor are elevated and the wealthy are actually looked upon negatively. The powerless, like the widow, like, um, uh, like people that are crippled and lame that would have been seen as outcast, uh, people that were the, the lowest of the low. Matthew, the tax collector, he was a chief tax collector, which in that culture made him the worst of the worst of any kind of person that you could think of. And Jesus says, you're going to be part of my inner 12 people and I'm going to have a party at your house. Well, Matthew invites him and then they have a party and all the religious people are upset about that. And yet in Luke's gospel, this is elevated. So the powerless are elevated and the powerful are actually um, inverted or, or placed underneath them. And this happens all throughout Luke's gospel. There's a power in here that is going to disrupt the social order of the time and it leads to Jesus' eventual uh, trial and execution because of what he was doing and the fact that the powers that be couldn't handle what he was doing. And they wanted to put a stop to it. One of the things Luke does really well, and you may miss it if you're not looking for it, is he actually places his gospel in a geographical perspective. So we start in Luke chapter 1 in Jerusalem. And then in chapters 1 to 4, we're introduced to Jesus in much of his, much of his life. Um, and, and then we're um, brought much of his early life, and then we're brought into his, the beginning of his ministry. So in the first few chapters, we're in Jerusalem, but then Luke jumps us up north to Galilee. And Galilee was a backwater place that really was very insignificant. And in, in one point, um, in one of the gospel writers, you know, one of the characters says, can anything good come from Nazareth, a town in Galilee? And then from chapters 5 to 9, Luke just lays out Jesus' ministry happening in this region of Galilee, where Jesus establishes his claim to, to be a prophet people were waiting for, to be the Messiah or the Son of God. And he establishes his credibility through his healings and through some of his teachings. And then uh, that's from chapters 5 to 9. And then in chapter 9, we read that Jesus is, is turning his face. He's setting his, intents on, his intent on getting to Jerusalem. And so from chapter 10 all the way to chapter 19, 10 chapters, Luke describes for us the journey that Jesus takes from Galilee all the way to Jerusalem. And it's in these chapters, of chapters, uh, chapters 10 uh, through 11, through 12, 13, 14, that we have these wonderful stories that Jesus teaches. The story of the Good Samaritan, the story of the prodigal son, where again we see the great reversal of things. 
the outsider, the marginalized, the outcast is actually accepted into God's kingdom and raised up and, and celebrated and, and parties being thrown for them. And for 10 chapters, Luke um, leads us along this meandering journey of Jesus making his way to Jerusalem to where the great confrontation is going to happen where the new management is going to replace the old management, where what was once considered the norms of the day are turned upside down. In chapter 19 to 23, we see Jesus confronting the powers in Jerusalem. We see his, uh, them scheming for his death. We see his, his arrest, his trial, his execution, and his burial. All happening in Jerusalem. We started in Jerusalem, we end up back in Jerusalem. And then in chapter 24, of course, is the resurrection. And, um, and the wonderful road to Emmaus um, story, which is only recorded in Luke's gospel. And then there's a hint at the very end of Luke's gospel about, about the, the good news being preached to all nations. And of course, that sets us up to jump into the book of Acts and to carry on that story that I encourage you to read. So in everything that you're going to read in Luke's gospel... I do like that one phrase, get used to different. It's the great reversal. The things that you would expect to be the norms of life, Jesus often confronts. And it's my prayer that as we go through this gospel together, that the Spirit of God will make you feel uncomfortable, will challenge some of your thinking, will encourage you and inspire you as well. And that together we'll journey down this road of, of growing together of letting the scripture, this gospel, letting it read us instead of us just reading it to get data and information, but letting the Spirit of God speak into our lives as we say, what do you want to teach me? So I, I want to um, encourage you each week, um, we're going to put notes online. If you go to newlifecollingwood.com, there'll be notes there that you can access. Uh, and there'll be content on there that's not covered in what I've, what I've spoken from, from week to week. Um, in our home churches, we're going to be accessing a book about, um, uh, written by N.T. Wright. And uh, it's 26 studies on the Gospel of Luke. They can be done for individual or for group study, which we are inviting our home churches to do as we get them back on track. There are some other commentaries that I recommend. There's a, a website that sometimes we use their material, bibleproject.com, which you could uh, look at. And, um, and access. So do go to the notes. There's lots more in there that we haven't talked about. And I just encourage you, as you read through Luke's gospel, as you think about what it means for us today, get used to different. Luke is bringing out the dawn of God's salvation for all people, the good news story for all people, but especially it's the gospel for outsiders. And it's my prayer that as you read um, God is going to, uh, to shape you and form you, uh, challenge you and inspire you in the weeks and the months to come as we, as we look at this wonderful story from a very gifted writer who's giving us the history of Jesus in an eloquent and beautiful way. And we'll see you next week as we jump back into uh, God setting his people up for receiving the coming of Jesus. Until then, enjoy your week.